Good morning, everybody. Welcome, one and all. We're glad you're here this morning. Special welcome to our visitors. Everybody, please stand as we begin our worship this morning. Sister Kim will play and we'll sing, I Have Somebody With Me. Signs come to pass, nearing the end. 
The Lord spoke unto Noah, told him to build an ark. The Lord knew well the vessel would cheerless be and dark. But God said, build a window that I'll look toward the sky. And when it's dark and lonesome, You'll see me standing by. The storms may rage, but fear not, for Noah I am nigh. And through the upper window, you'll see me standing by. It may be that affliction will rack and rend your frame. Until your mortal body is seared with fevered pain. But do not be discouraged. Just lift your tear-dimmed eyes. And through the upper window, you'll see me standing by. The storms will come, but fear not. For Noah, I am nigh, and through the upper window, you'll see me standing by. If perhaps you've suffered losses, like houses, land, and gold, and you may feel you're homeless and penniless and old, but sweetest peace and comfort will lift your pain-filled side when through the upper window you'll see me standing by. The storms may come, but fear not, for no Service, file me. I think that's, I don't know if everyone's seen the big revival type service they had. Was it Kentucky? That's all that. And it was like it just kept going on and on and on. And they would think it would end it and somebody else would testify or somebody else would sing. Yes. That's worshiping. Amen. That's worshiping. I'm not going to sing because I'll just cry the whole time. All right. So we're going to start this morning the book of Romans. So if you have your Bible, turn over to the book of Romans, the first chapter. The book of Romans. It's probably one of the best letters ever written. Filled with all all kinds of, of good foundational type things for Christians. And it's probably the most clear and sustained presentation of the gospel that you'll ever find anywhere. The gospel, the good news as we all know it. 
So as we, we start the series, we actually want to, and who knows where God's going to take it. I really need your prayers with this. The, the book of Romans can be tough, but I really think that's where God's directed me. So the, the series is going to be called The Foundation of Our Faith. And the title this morning is going to be God's Gospel, because that's really all that matters anyway. But you, you got it. All right. So Romans chapter 1, we'll start reading here a little bit. Um, and we'll just follow the Lord. This, this is really just an introduction to the, to the church of Rome from the Apostle Paul. And he's writing for a couple of different reasons, which we'll get to hopefully in, in a few different weeks. But he's, he's preparing a trip there. He's actually, he's been wanting to come visit them, but it hasn't worked out. So he's been preparing a trip and uh, he, he'll get into some of the challenges. He's, one of the main reasons I think he's writing this letter is to have fellowship with them, to preach the gospel to them. And the other one is, he's a little concerned that he might not make it there. So if he doesn't make it, his word's going to make it. So again, just, just pray for us. It's uh, been a few weeks. God's been good. Let's read. Don't want to cry yet. All right, starting at the first verse there. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David, according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith, for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Christ, to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom, I'm, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to see you and coming to you. For I long to see you that I may be, impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And we'll stop right there. And I need to get something out of my book. All right. Memory verse for the week. I don't know if you guys like it or not. I really don't care because I love it. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Memory verse of the week. There you go. All right. 
So if, if there's one thing that I'd really like to, to really get out this morning as far as the message goes, is God's gospel is true. The center is Christ. And you know what it's for? To uplift His holy name. To give God all the glory. That's what it's all about. That's what this book is all about. I've read it somewhere that God is mentioned in Romans more than anywhere else. But it's God's true gospel. It's true. It's all focused, centered on Christ. And it's all to give Him the glory. So keep, keep that in your minds as we, as we go through this. So the Apostle Paul, what was his name before? Saul of Tarsus. So Paul is his Hebrew name. Saul, they would have known Saul of Tarsus as his Jewish name. So he starts here introducing himself to them. Well, first of all, why would he need to introduce himself? He'd never been there. This is, I think this is the only book that he had never been to the place that he actually wrote to. So kind of keep that in mind, too. And that's, that's another reason for the long introduction. Because usually his introductions are pretty short and sweet. This one's actually pretty long. But it starts off there, him introducing himself as a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, why would he start with that? Why would he start with him being a servant? That word servant there, really, it it kind of calls to the word slave. That servanthood, that bond servant, if you will. I really think the reason he did that is so that they would know that his message was God's message, not his message. He was just a servant. He was fully committed to Christ and fully committed to going and doing what he was supposed to do. Does that sound familiar? I think that's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? So who's a slave of Christ here? I am. None of you are raising hands. We're all supposed to be. We're a child of God. We're his we're his worker. We're saved to a good work. But he's saying, this isn't my message. It's God's message. I'm just his servant. I, th- I thought it was interesting that he started out with servant. Because wouldn't you think most people would be like, oh, I'm an apostle. <sighs> wouldn't you think that? I think it's awesome that he started out with, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of God. And that meant everything to him. That meant everything to him. He was committed. He was devoted. God was his all in all. You know, really, isn't that the highest honor of a child of God? Is being his servant? I can tell you it's changed my life. It's absolutely changed my life. To be called a servant of God. But he starts out with him being a servant. And then it talks about him being called to be an apostle and set apart. Which goes back to his encounter with Christ on the Damascus Road. Maybe we all know, don't we, that Paul or Saul was a pretty bad dude. He was out destroying or trying to destroy the church. He consented to the death of who? Stephen. He was a pretty bad dude. 
He was persecuting the church. He was zealous in those efforts. He wanted to stop it. So he got permission to go to Damascus to put those following that new way into prison. I'm going to jump over to Acts chapter 9 real quick. I just love that. So Acts chapter 9, starting at about the third verse there. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone about him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. We know the rest of the story there. He was struck blind. All the other people around was like scared. Like he went to see Ananias. He was like, I don't know about this guy. He's persecuting Christians. But he was intended to be a chosen vessel for God. He was set apart. He had an encounter with Christ. So if you jump down to the the 15th verse there, it says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So he was called. He was set apart. What's What's the term they use there? Kicking against the goads or whatever? Anybody ever seen that? He was fighting it. He was fighting that call. Same thing with us. I fought it for a long time. I fought it for a long time. Yeah, I was thinking this morning, we talk about, you know, does God make bad things happen? You know, disasters and things like that for sin and whatnot. And I don't really want to get into that. But back when I was called to preach, it had been a while. <laughs> I've been hiding I didn't know. I was in her class about every until Rachel was about thirteen. <laughs> As she shakes her head, she knows it's true. Every year, yeah, like seven years. Hey now, <laughs> but I was hiding, or trying to hide. You can't hide from God when He calls you. wrestling practice or something. And as you guys may or may not know, when you call my cell phone, I don't answer it. I hate talking on the phone. I got this weird number calling my cell phone. Who the heck is this? I answered it, which is weird. And the man's like, I've been in a wreck. Everybody's okay. And I'm just like, what? And I swear to you, everyone, I said, God, you're not. I can't find no more. You're absolutely in control of everything. Now, did he mean that to get my attention? I have no idea. I have no idea. But at that point, when I heard they were all okay, I was like, God, you're in control of it all. I'll do whatever you want, whenever you want. And the rest is history. But I was fighting it. Brother John's mentioned before he was fighting it. It's a scary call to stand up here and do this week in and week out. It's scary. Especially for the one you're doing it for. But but he was called. He was a chosen vessel. He saw Jesus. 
and was converted that day. Like that. You know, I read something this week. It was talking about it, cha- it took a day to change his heart. And that stuck with me all week since I've seen that. It's like, it's a thing for us to never give up on anyone. Because it takes one encounter with Christ to change everything. Let's not ever forget that as a church. As a Christ follower. It takes one encounter with Christ to change everything. And that's what happened here. He went from persecuting the church overnight to preaching the good news of Jesus. That is absolutely amazing. And it is only through Christ. It's the only answer for it. The only answer. And I was thinking as I was thinking about set apart there. You know, I was I was saved when I was nine years old. Really didn't understand. And as a teenager, as most of us do, we like to venture out and think we're bad and think we're cool and do our own thing. Let me tell you, teenagers. I made a whole lot of mistakes. Think about everything that you're doing here in this place. Every single one of us are messed up. Every single one of us has made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Listen to that stuff. Because mm-hmm. it can change your life forever. One, one bad mistake can change your life forever. I have told the kids that ever since they were little, one bad decision change your life forever. But yet we still do it. We still do it. We're still true. You know, a lot of us still mess up. But I was saved when I was nine years old. I can tell you, Christ set me apart. Probably even before that, to preach His gospel. To preach His good news. And I know there's others here that He has set apart to share His gospel. I know it. I know it. Let me tell you, you are going to be miserable Mm -hmm. until you accept that call. You're going to be miserable. Oh, goodness. All right. So he was a chosen vessel. And again, he wanted them to know it was God's message, not his message. Ooh, it's warm in here today. So I think the other thing that he wanted them to keep in mind is a quote I saw this week somewhere. The message of the gospel was declared by normal men like us. But you know who it was authored by? God. It was authored by God. Good news of his gospel, his message. It's his. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to come and die for us, to take away our sin. That we couldn't do. We, we couldn't fulfill that. We were headed straight for a sinner's hell. But God. But God. He loved us so much. That he sent his only son to die on a cruel cross of Calvary for us. Folks, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And you know what you have to do to accept that? You just have to believe that. You don't have to do 50 jumping jacks. You don't have to do, walk down here and cry a river. You just have to believe that He is the Son of God. That's it. We try to make it so difficult sometimes. Oh, you got to do this. You got to pray this. You got to do this. You got to say that. No, you don't. 
You just have to believe. You just have to believe. We make it so difficult sometimes. But Jesus is the center. It's all about Him. It's God's good news. So back to Romans here. Where the, the end of the first verse ends. Talking about the gospel of God. Verse 2 says, Which He promised beforehand through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son who was descended from David according to the flesh. And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. It was promised beforehand. I, I can't remember where I saw this, but it's not too terribly long ago. I, I read something about the Old Testament. And it was basically saying, since we have the New Testament, and the Old Testament's kind of old and, you know, yeah. Kind of falling by the wayside. We really need it. Have you ever seen that? It's ancient. You know, just a bunch of old stories. Do we really need it? Absolutely we do. You want to know why? Because it talks about Jesus. Him coming. It's all prophesied in there. The Old Testament. It all points to a Messiah to come. You know, all those animals that were sacrificed, those were all pointing to Christ. Mm -hmm. The other thing that the Old Testament does is it shows us where we fall short. That old law, that's the whole the whole purpose of the law was to show them where they fell short. Now, sadly, they messed it all up and created five thousand other laws. But it helps us, it points us to Christ. Why would we ever want to get rid of the Old Testament? Why would we ever? But people are, people are talking about it. It's old-fashioned. It's old this. It's old that. According to this, it was God's promise beforehand. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was said as a lamb to be slain. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's funny because people always think, well, did God do that because of sin? Was it re- a reaction to sin? No. It was all set in stone way before all that. He was set as a lamb slain. Why do you think when he was on the cross, he said, it's finished. That plan of salvation was finished from the beginning. It wasn't a reaction to it. But it was all promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. That's talking about his humanity. From a human perspective, he was the son of David. Which gave him the right to be the king of Israel. and, And all that was prophesied too. All of it. But it was all the human side of things. Now, I read something that was interesting this week. When Jesus was was alive, did you ever hear anyone fighting him over being the king of Israel? No. Because they knew he was the son of God, the son of David. But when he said he was God, that's what changed everything. That's what changed everything when he said he was God. But that's what that next part's talking about. And it was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by, his, by this resurrection from the dead. So some people think, well, because he was resurrected, he's considered the Son of God. No. 
He was the Son of God before that. That just proved He was the Son of God. That's the difference. That just proved it. So you know, he, Jesus died. Jesus died. Can't you imagine when that happened? Satan was like, yes! I won! He's in the grave! He's gone! He's done for! Can't you imagine that? Isn't that in the movie? He's kind of slivering around. That's a weird movie. But you know what's even better? Is after three days in that grave, by the power of God, he came out victorious. He came out victorious. The stone was rolled away, and Jesus came out alive. He wasn't a spirit, he was alive. They touched him, they put his fingers in their holes. They ate with Him. That resurrection proved that He was the Son of God. That proved it. It's warm up here today. His resurrection. Honestly... If it wasn't for His resurrection, we might as well not be here. If you don't believe that resurrection, you might as well not be here. But you know what the Gospel is? The Gospel is power to change that. To change that perspective. The Gospel has, and that's what it's talking about there, where it's talking about the power. The Gospel of God has the power to change lives. We've seen it. We've witnessed it. It's happened to us. If you would have known me as a teenager, you'd be like up here like, why is he up there? He was terrible. He done some awful things. But the power of God can change anything. Amen. Can change anyone. I would consider myself the worst sinner on earth at that time in my life. I was terrible. Not that I don't sin now. We all mess up. By His power, I can stand up here and and proclaim His good news this morning. By His power. And by His power, Jesus resurrected. It's pretty amazing if you think about it. By His power, lives can be changed. I've I've witnessed a few. I've been in, in prayers with a few people. And after you see their lives change afterwards, you're like, that's, a, that's the power of God. Amen. The power of God. That's the only explanation. It's the only explanation is the power of God. Ugh. But He has all power. He has all power. And right now, he's still in control of absolutely everything. He sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit's praying on our behalf. He's making intercession for us. He paved a way for us. He's the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And one day... We don't know when that's going to be. He's going to stand up. And He's going to say, time shall be no more. And He's going to come back and take us home. 
forever. Forever. And we'll be in heaven with him forever. Not because of anything we've done, but because of the power of God. The power of the gospel. That's why. The power of gospel. I'm just thinking about that this morning. No more pain. No more sadness. No more tears. You won't see me cry anymore. No more corruption. No more crime. No more drugs. No more hurt. I was just thinking this morning, won't it be wonderful there? Having no more sorrows to bear. No more burdens to bear. But it can be pretty good here too. It could be pretty good here amongst all that chaos out there. You have a relationship with Jesus that changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. Changes absolutely everything. You know what the Bible says? When you're a child of God, you're an adopted son of God, you're an heir of God, you're joint heirs with Christ. And you know what's awesome about that? We're going to get, we're going to inherit everything Jesus has. That's pretty darn amazing if you ask me, because we don't deserve any bit of it. It's only by His amazing grace. It's only by His amazing grace. But that's the gospel. That's the good news. I don't know what we would do without it. That is the good news. It's through our faith. That's why I call the series Foundation of Faith. It's all about faith. I think in like the fourth chapter, it'll talk about Abraham's faith. But it's a solid foundation. You know, I helped my dad a couple of summers bricklaying and blocklaying and all that stuff. You don't want to do that stuff. Believe me. Get a dust job. That'll kill you. It's pretty good though, ain't it, Dad? But you know, when he would build a firm foundation, that house didn't fall. But if you had some of the hooligans that worked with him to build the foundation, that thing's going to tumble. Right, Dad? (laughs) He'll tell you. Just ask him. That's how the foundation of God is. Built on Christ. That foundation's never going to fail. It's never going to fall. It's never going to crack. It's going to stand forever. I was thinking about that too this morning. For how many thousand years have they been trying to get rid of the gospel? Still doing it. They're still trying to shut it down. And it's never going to happen. Take the Bible and burn it all you want. Burn down the churches all you want. There's going to be some Christians somewhere with the Holy Spirit praising God. No matter what happens. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. They're not going to stop it. They're not going to stop it. No matter what happens somewhere, you're going to have a little chubby white dude like me preaching the gospel. (coughs) Sorry, I can't help myself sometimes. They're not going to stop it. 
They've tried. They're still trying. That foundation is solid, folks. If you put your trust in Christ, that foundation's never going to fall. Never going to crack. You might mess up. But that foundation's never going to fall. That foundation's never going to fall. The gospel is true. It centers on Christ. And its purpose is His glory. Oh, man. So why do you think... If I'm not mistaken, this letter was sent to Christians in Rome. Why do you think Paul started out with the gospel? Why would born again believers need to hear the gospel? They're already saved, right? Isn't that the end? They're just saved. They're good. Why do we preach the gospel every single week? Because we need to be reminded. You were saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. The process of sanctification. And it's complete only by two ways. By your death or by Jesus returning. Those are the two ways it's complete. And then we'll be saved forevermore. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm looking forward to. No more sin. This corruptible body will be incorruptible. Won't that be amazing? Amen. Won't that be amazing? No more knees hurting. No more back hurting. I've been in so much pain this week that the weather can drive me crazy. It'll be amazing. Absolutely amazing. But we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of what God did by sending His Son to die for us. We need to be reminded of our sin and how we come short. Don't take it as the preachers up here bashing you over the head like, you sinner, you fall short. No. No. By the grace of God, He loves us. And He's willing to forgive us. I think we forget that. We forget that. But we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. The plan of salvation through faith. Faith believing. His amazing grace. He gives us what we need, not what we deserve. That's the key. That gospel of God gives us what we need, not what we deserve. We deserve hell. We deserve death. You know, you, you hear people all the time, well, I'm a good person. I didn't do nothing wrong. You know what? Deep down inside of us, we all know how bad people we are. We all know the bad thoughts we have, the bad things we say, the bad things we do. We need a Savior. We need Jesus. We need a relationship with Him. That's the only way. That's the only answer. And that is the good news of Christ. He came and gave us a way. He didn't give us 30 ways. He gave us one way. That is through His blood. The world wants us to say, oh, just come. Just do this, do this, do this. No, it's through the blood of Christ. That's the only way. You might say it's narrow-minded, but that's what the truth says. That's what the truth says. So the question for you this morning, 
as Paul did and Paul experienced, have you had that encounter with Christ? You know, I've really been feeling for the last little bit that someone needs salvation here. You know how, like when you're saved, you just got this pumping in your heart, you can just feel it. That's how it feels also when someone else needs to be saved. You can just feel it. It's almost like you're getting saved all over again. That's how it's been for me the last little bit. I got some really encouraging words this week from someone that's been coming here. That through the messages, through the Holy Spirit, that it's changed his life. Amen. That's encouraging. I've also been encouraged how so many people have been coming up and laying their burdens down. Just praying, rejoicing, praising Him. That's what it's all about. That's that's been an encouragement to me. Hopefully it's been to you all. But if you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship with Him, why not? Like I said, it's just believing in Him. Just believing that He was the Son of God and He came and took away the sins of the world. You don't have to come and cry a river. You just have to accept that. Turn from your sin and accept that. You know what? He does the rest. He does the rest. He's still working on me, but He does the rest. Like I said, if you're here this morning and you are saved, it's good to be reminded, isn't it? It's good to be reminded. Are you working for Him? Are you a servant of the King? Are you an ambassador of His Word? Every single one of us. So we're priests and kings. Every single one of us that are saved, that are born again, we are to be ambassadors of His Word. Are you living for Him? When people see you, do they see Christ? You know, as we... uh, I'm get a song or somebody's going to get a song. But I want to open up the altar this morning for whatever you need. would love to see someone get saved this morning. Because I can tell you, he's working. He's working. He's been working. I want to end with one last thing. Ran across this this week. This poem. And it's pretty awesome. So I'm going to end with that and we'll all stand and we'll have a, a song. It says, one day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, O glorious day. That's J. Wilbur Chapman. No, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good for us. So as we all stand and have a, a song, whatever's on your heart this morning, the altar's open. Come and pray and make it right with Him. Hear the blessed Savior.